You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Open your Bibles to Philippians. We'll just read, we'll get started in one verse. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Stand when you get there. I like what Dan was talking about with uh, talking about the book of Esther and each one of us uh, born for such a time as we're in. As she was testifying, I thought I could have probably got into the book of Esther this morning a little bit, but I, I did not. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that out. People get bogged down in the history of it and all those weird but things. It fits, because here we are, you know, we, we are made for such a time as we're living in, and we know that because we know that God is perfect in all that he does, and he's chosen us for this time and this place, and here we are together. So this morning, we'll just read one verse, that first verse there in Philippians chapter 1. It says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, for this time you've given us to assemble. I pray uh, that your will's done within these four walls. Anoint me to preach the message you've given. Anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand, and we'll draw us closer to each other as you draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to focus on that last part of the first verse this morning where Paul writes to the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Several, several years ago, I received an invitation in the mail, and I've kept it all these years. I didn't go, uh, but when I opened it and I read it, the first thing I did was I either sent a text or I called Mark, and I said, you got to hear this. And the invitation, I think it's a technically a, an anointing, uh, charge service or anointing service and this is how it reads um, it says some words and it says God's people we do announce the consecration of the most reverend Dr. So and so to the sacred office of Episcopal Bishop I said Mark you got to hear these titles this is fantastic I said we'll vote you in as the uh, Episcopal Bishop, and you'll be the most reverend doctor, Mark Van Hoos, Episcopal Bishop. And he said, well, I'm not a doctor. And I said, well, if you got that many titles, I don't think anybody's going to focus on any degrees or anything like that. And I said, then I'll be the second one. He was the person that was doing this. His title was the chief consecrator, the most reverend apostle, so-and-so. I said, I'll be that one. I said, those are the best titles I've ever heard in the church. And it makes their name this long on this invitation. And, of course, we chuckled about it. And I've just been in my desk drawer all these years. Because 
I think it's, I can see the humor when men get together and try and figure this stuff out and start uh, dragging words together and making up titles and hierarchies and things of that nature. You get titles like the sacred office of Episcopal Bishop, Apostle, Chief Consecrator. But Paul writes to just two we see here in the Word of God, bishops and deacons. He doesn't include uh, Sunday school superintendents or uh, anything like that. There's just two offices, bishops and deacons. Turn your Bibles over to the book of Acts. And as we're turning there, I want your mind to wander back because I know as I look around the room, I know we can all remember them. They were, they filled these pews here. They filled the pews in the church in Dayton. And every one of them looked like it was about 150 years old. They had polyester from here all the way to the floor. And they were loud colors. Some were solid, but the lapels were wide. The ties were wide. Their hair was tall, and the men had uh, these blurry kind of blue-black tattoos on their forearms, and you couldn't really read them anymore, right? But they had Bibles that were falling apart, and that's the church I remember. That's the church of the late 70s going into the early 80s, and they were together. The worship and the love of God is what they came for, and love for each other was the result of that love of God. So here they were together. I didn't see it here, but I know that's how it was when you walked in this church, right? With a church full of people, uh, they came up with the best plan that they knew how. Uh, When we look through this this morning, and, and when you go home and you think about it, You have to give a lot of credit to those saints that came before us uh, because they worked and they labored and they held things together and they witnessed and they evangelized and they preached. And while they were here, I think they done a fantastic job. And with while they were together here on earth, uh, there were some extra things that were added along to the church as far as structure and hierarchy. And the reason for that, it, didn't, it wasn't just born out of things to do or a need or a love of titles or things to put on an invitation. It was born out of where we live. In the state of Ohio, in the United States of America, churches are structured like a corporation. Uh, they have, in the eyes of the law, they have an executive CEO, a board, trustees, and it goes on down the line just like uh, just about any other corporation would have. Uh, But the Bible says we're a little bit different than a corporation, right? We're not just a nonprofit organization. We're the people of God. And God tells us uh, in his word how to structure, uh, what to be, and how to do that. So when that generation was together, when they were younger, uh, they were doing what Uh, came natural, how to work within the structure of the state and the laws that we're in, and uh, other words started to be used and was in vogue uh, to include. Every church had a youth leader, 
and there was, like I said, a Sunday school superintendent, and there was this and there was that. And we don't find that in the Word of God. Now, that doesn't make it a bad thing, but it makes it a little confusing. Because when we see all those other titles and all those other job descriptions, uh, when we get to these two words, bishops and deacons, we lose sight of what it is that those roles do. So let's get into the book of Acts. Now here you don't actually find the word uh, deacon, but you do find in Acts chapter 6 the beginning of the ministry of the deacons. In Acts chapter 6 verse 1 it says, And in those days... When the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. When the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose. And it lists everybody they chose. And they chose these men out from among themselves, out from the people of God, to work in the daily administration of the ministry of the people of God. They were servants of the church. They led and ministered, and they made things easier on uh, the apostles in in this particular case. So they made, uh, it allowed them, it freed up the apostles to focus on their study and their preparation and their spreading of the word of God. When God calls somebody to preach, it is my personal belief that we have a responsibility to spread the word of God and that is not depending on any person, uh, law, situation, or place. Uh, if you take myself, Brother Jim, Brother Mark, anywhere in the world we and drop us off and leave us there, we'll still go about what we've been called to do. Amen. And, and that's just how it is. Uh, we have a responsibility to our God uh, to spread the gospel, to preach his word, and to continually do what it is uh, that he's called us to do. Uh, Brother Isaac always says in English, and I kind of chuckle every time he says it, Um, Isaac says, the Lord told me I got to do his job. And I chuckle a little bit, and I think, that's not the best English for, for being called to preach, but I know what you're saying. Uh, It doesn't matter uh, where we're at or what we're doing. Now, as part of being a pastor is different. We have that calling uh, to God to evangelize and preach his word uh, and to teach in season and out of season, the Bible says. Pastoring is a little different. Uh, I see my main responsibility as the pastor of this church to ensure its longevity through my efforts as best I can. Now, that might sound a little strange. That might be shocking uh, for you guys to hear. Um, It makes things easier, like 
Uh, if you have X amount of dollars in the bank and you have two large major repairs, the roof and the air conditioning, if we focused on ourselves, we would pick the air conditioning. If we focus on longevity of the church, we pick the roof, Amen. right? And when you have your priorities correct, decisions become easier. Um, as uh, the New Testament uses the term bishop, elder, and overseer interchangeably. Uh, and it's all the same offices as pastor. Now, you and I agree, for the most part, I'd say, on what the responsibilities, the qualifications of a pastor are, of a preacher uh, is. We agree on that most of the time, I'd say. Um, the second office that Paul mentions, the deacon, it might be a little harder for us to explain, right? If, if we don't consult the Word of God, if we uh, go from our memory, when we remember the polyester-clad folks that came before us, uh, there were some deacons in that group, and generally, what happened after they went on to be with the Lord, their offices were vacant. And I want you to think about that and remember back to that time. that When the deacons went to be with the Lord from that generation, most of the time, their office was left vacant. Because we, as the people of God, didn't understand what their duty was. We had lost the plot. We had lost track of what it uh, said in the Word of God. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter three it says down in verse eight. Oh, I turned the page wrong. Down in verse eight, it says, "Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery." Of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so, uh, must their wives be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. When Paul writes these things, he's giving Timothy and us the qualifications of what the church should look for in a deacon. That they be blameless. That they be upright. That they be honest, not greedy, uh, not drunks and uh, we understand that, and that's easy enough uh, for us to read. 
The qualifications are much like that of an elder, an overseer, or a bishop, with one exception. The deacons are not charged with preaching the Word of God. And that's the difference. So, back to when that generation of deacons left us. Afterwards, uh, people, people of God as a, as a whole lost the plot, like I said. They, they lost sight of what they ought to have been doing. And they decided at that point that somehow uh, deacons were a meaningless title, just like that was listed on that invitation. That you might as well be the, the chief consecrator, the most reverend apostle, so-and-so. That, was, that held as much weight as the, as the word deacon did. It's all made up and it doesn't matter. But I know, and I hope you know, that what you find within the pages of this book is not made up. And it does matter. This is the word of God. It's what he's told us. It's how he's told us. Uh, to conduct ourselves. And how he, it's how he speaks to us. It's how he blesses us uh, with his word. So now you and I are here together in a time and a place uh, where we are in desperate need of deacons. I don't know if you know that or not. But we are in desperate need of deacons. And that's what we're going to talk about at our next business meeting is deacons. We're going to move somewhat quicker than what I would like to, but I've been trying to move this way for 10 years now, personally. We need to look to the Word of God, to what uh, the ministry of the deacons do. It's obvious the quality of the people that we're looking for. That's not in question. Uh, the role is different. When we read through chapter 6, the deacons dealt with the distribution of food, basically, to make sure everybody got what they were supposed to get. And it took relief, it took stress, it took, and it gave time to the apostles that were there so that they could focus on the ministry of the word, which was and is our most important thing. So that's situational. But, uh, and you and I need to prayerfully seek and find what our situation calls for and what the role of deacons look like in our modern church in our little place here on Vine Street. Okay? Uh, prayerfully seek that. There is another question, and it may not be a question to you, but it is to me, and I don't have an answer to it. So over the next three or four days... We're going to turn to Brother Mark and pose this weighty, weighty question. Okay? <laughs> We're going to put the responsibility on Mark. He's going to sit at home and practice monkery and read and search and pray. It has to do with Romans chapter 16, verse 1. The Bible says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea, that re ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succor of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers, 
in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. And we'll skip on to verse 6. It says, Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. Now the reason that these scriptures in the 16th chapter of Romans are highly important is Paul calls Phoebe a servant of the church. Now if you look in, in different uh, the King James translates it as servant. If you look in other, um, what's a Greek word, Mark? This is why we're asking you to investigate and to pray. It's the root word for deacon. Uh, some other translations translate it as deacon. Uh, and it, when you do that, uh, you, you have the word deaconess in English. And you then have female deacons, which is uh, very radical to our culture and our people. And, it, and it, if my position on that is, if that is how we feel the Word of God says it, then that's what the Word of God says. I, I can't change that. Um, so we need to come together as a church and weigh that question out. Uh, together, I would love to take months and months on that question, but we got three or four days is all we can spend. So we're going to leave that up to Mark to do an intense study. Over the next couple of days, I would urge you to consult uh, Dr. James Leonard on this task as well. Then once he submits his opinion, we'll have his older sister check his work, yes. <laughs> right? And, and you can report back to us um, next Sunday, and just tell us what the Bible says. Tell us uh, what the original languages are talking about and points to. Uh, I do want to say the, the reason you read verse 2, 3, and 4 in Romans chapter 16 is that Paul mentions other women and does not include that same word or that same title as servant of the church. He calls them helpers, uh, workers, uh, things of that nature. So it's a question. Um, and it's one that we ask uh, the Bible. We search the Word of God for the answer, and we see what we come up with. I don't want you to run screaming and hollering from this place that, uh, um, that our traditions are, are, are in question. Uh, it really is. I want to be as biblical as possible in all things that we do. Amen? Stand with me this morning.